Amen. Amen. Well, we, if you're, if this is your first Sunday or you're, you weren't here last Sunday, we started a new series last week called Down to Earth. And where we got that from is ever since the fall of man, like, like way, 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 way back, the beginning of man, in Genesis chapter three, when man decided to go rogue and go on their own and decided, you know what? I like being made in the image of God and the likeness of God. But they listened to a snake, and as a result of it, um, they began to say, well, look, I I, I like that that food might be good. That fruit right there might be good. And as a result, they began the spiral, the plummet, the, the downfall of man. And ever since then, we've lived in this fallen state. And so ever since then, men have tried to come up with many ways to try to connect with God. They, they come up with either through self-sacrifice or through something. They want to get God's attention. And as a matter of fact, we're not, we're not going to turn there this morning. But in Genesis chapter 11, it said that all the peoples of earth had gathered together. And they were going to build a tower to God. They're like, hey, I know what we'll do. Let's all get together and we'll build this nice big tower. Hey, we're coming to see you, big guy. Like, they're coming that way. And uh, as a result, that's where... God said, look, I want you to spread out. I want you to, I want you to, in Genesis 1, he says, I want you to subdue the earth. I want you to go experience all of it. You can't be in one place and see all the earth. And so that's where we get the Tower of Babel where it says God confused their language. And it wasn't because he was mad at them, because he was, he goes, I don't like it. It's like, no, he realized that all you're going to do if you all just stay there, you're just going to try to come up with your own way and puff yourself up to see what you can do. Instead of, look, I want you to go out and explore. And as a result, he sends them out. And even today, we, we still have this language barrier with many times here in southeast Georgia. Sometimes you got to learn that, that vernacular of the English language. <laughs> you know, so it's like, what? You got to draw your words out sometimes and stuff. You know, you can make, you know, three or four syllables out of one word. You know, it's, it, it can be fun. But... When we started looking at down to earth, it's amazing because at this season, during this time, this is the greatest season because of one reason. Because it's when God came down to earth. It was no longer us trying to reach up in our feeble attempt. And it was Jesus saying, I'm coming. And we looked last week at Mary where it's kind of interesting when you when you think about it. God decides, I'm coming to earth, but I'm going to come incognito. I'm going to come in a way you would not even think about. I mean, we see parades and we see different things on TV when a dignitary or a royal comes to some place and they, they build it up and there's a lot of pomp and circumstance and they have all the guard, they have all these people like, you know, they're coming. And what is, what is, what does God do? God says, Hey, I'm going to go to a 14 year old girl. I'm going to send an angel and talk to her. There's a plan. Let's talk to a 14 year old girl named Mary. And I'm going to let her know. And then she's betrothed to her husband, Joseph. And, and we see this in different gospels. But in, Luke, in John chapter 1, verse 14, this is really the most condensed version of the Christmas story. Now, I know, and I've had people say to me, Mark, that's not really the Christmas story. I said, oh, yeah, it is. It just doesn't give you all the names. If, if you like cliff notes, if you like to break it down to the simplest form, this is it right here. John 1, 14, it says, the word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the gospel message right here in one verse. 
But now Matthew and Luke said they're gonna they're gonna spread it out a little bit. And through our understanding of this season, I said last week, and it's true, many people just at the word Christmas. Like their mind, they go bonkers. Like they're thinking Christmas in July. They're thinking, it's like Christmas, I can't wait for Christmas, 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 I can't wait for Christmas. I mean, they're already, you know, decorating, they're already saying, oh, that's going to look good. Oh, they're looking all through the year and saying, hey, I really like that. And so what we decided, we've got to kind of dial that back a little bit and bring it down to earth right here and look at the Christmas story. It's not, many of us have Christmas traditions and we have these ways that we do things and we've got it nice and set up, nice pretty little manger and there's the little baby Jesus and you get the nativity scene and all this. But when you really break it down and look at it, it's not nearly as as, as simple and, and nice as seen. Like I said, with Mary bringing Jesus into a stable instead of a nice suite. Like, look, you think about it, there are people that are in the inn right next to them, and they're living the life. They don't even know that the Savior of the world has just come into the world in the manger next door. And so when God does this, it's an amazing thing. This morning, we're going to have a little fun and look at these uh, this group of people called the Magi. The Magi. And so many of you go, what's a Magi? I'm glad you asked, because... If you look in scripture, this is what it actually says. And, and, and uh, this wasn't a, a, it's a Greek word, but it, it was put into the, the Chaldeans. It was given by the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, Medes, the Persians, and others. They, they, this is what they were. They were wise men, teachers, priests, physicians, astrologers, seers, interpreters of dreams, augurs, soothsayers, sources. It was all rolled up into one word called the magi. Magos is what the Greek word for that is. And so when we look at this, they only show up in Scripture one time. One time. They show up. Now, the word shows up twice in Acts, but this group that we're talking about. And so for our purpose, when you look at, they were looking at a star and we see it represented a cast of wise men specializing in astronomy, astrology, and natural sciences. They were looking at the world around them. And they had an understanding that most people didn't have. And as we go through this, we're going to see some of the great things that they were actually able to do. How that happened. It was, when you look at it, it was a miracle of what, how God led them and what, what God actually did. Now tonight at six o'clock, we're going to look at the two separate gospels, Matthew and Luke, who, who record all the things that took place. And we're going to go into a, a little deeper kind of unpacking of this. But for this morning, I just want to look at four things that we can learn, four simple things we can learn from the Magi, the, these, these astrologers, these, these people that were looking and studying and saying, what's going on? Where, where are we going? Where are we at in history? And so the first time we see it in Matthew, if you got your Bibles, you can open them there to uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. If you got your Bible app on your phone, go ahead and break that out too. We, we, we welcome that. Um, just don't be on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. Unless you're tweeting about what you just heard. It's good. Um, think of it this way. This is where it is. The, in, in the second uh, chapter of Matthew, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked. They had a question. Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his, his star... When it rose and have come to worship him. Now, here's this group 
of, of astronomers, astrologers that have come. And they've been looking and they saw something that other people didn't see. Because most of the time, most of us, our eyes are always pointed down instead of up. Matter of fact, we get circumstances that come in our life and we always look at them. We look at them. We look at them. And, and, and the Bible says, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. Sometimes you just need to look up like they did. They were, they kept their gaze up looking, trying to understand what was going on, what the times they were living in. And as a result, the first thing that we can definitely see right out of this, right out of the gates is number one, the Magi sought Jesus. But the only problem with that was, They didn't know his name was Jesus. They knew he was the son. They they didn't know his name was Jesus. But what they did know, they they knew he was going to be the king of the Jews. And we're going to see in a moment how they actually knew that. Who were these strangers who lived about eight or nine hundred miles away from there? And by the the way, they didn't have the transportation we have today because that would be a long trek to go eight or nine hundred miles. But they were seeking after him. And they were going after and they wanted to know, hey, where's he at? We know from what we've seen and what we've heard, we know he's there. And so it, it stirs something in um, in Jerusalem. It, it causes something to happen in Jerusalem because that was the capital city. That's why they went to Jerusalem first uh, to show up to ask. Now, this caused a commotion. Now, I know in our nice little picture in our nativities, we have three little... Little fellas that show up there. And I'm not here to dispute or I'm here to say that really that may or may not be the truth. And we're just going to look at scripture about that. And, and we're not, that's not something we're going to stand on and say, hey, I will just say they even came up with names, which there's no names mentioned in the Bible. But uh, I'll say this. It caused such a, such a stir that the king took notice of it. King Herod, that's what it in, in our next verse in verse three and four, starting there, it says when King Herod heard. This, he was disturbed. He got shook and what? There's some, there's some strangers that just came into our town and they're wanting to know where the king of the Jews is. And all of Jerusalem with them. They were all kind of wondering, who are these strangers? What are they doing in our house? What are they doing in our city? And how dare them say they're looking for a king? Now what's that makes that so interesting is King Herod didn't like anybody else being thought of king but him. And Herod, by the way, let me help you with that. Many of you probably already know this. But Herod was really just a name for a, a family that ruled Palestine. It was that time. And so there was a few of them. So he actually, this is the first one. He's called Herod the Great. Because he made a great big mess of things. He actually really was was great all right. He was great at, at destroying and, and things. But so he was, he felt threatened. And the reason all of Jerusalem felt threatened is like, if the king ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And what he had, by his own thing, I know we've got it in our culture, it's, we know it's the, that other four letter word, not a king, but if, if the wife ain't happy. <laughs> but this one was in that culture in that time, if the king ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Because you could lose your life over that. Matter of fact, if you do some research, you can see his son you didn't want, you'd rather be his friend than one of his family members because if you felt threatened that you could ascend to the throne, oh, you didn't make it. So anyhow, looking at what he did, he called, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. This is the first time they hear now 
They're calling Messiah. So first, these wise men, these Magi, they show up and they know they're looking for the, they're looking for the king of the Jews. They know his royalty. They know what's happening. And then he, now he gets the, the King Herod actually brings up the Messiah. And so in verse five and six, reading on along, it says, in Bethlehem in Judea, they answered, for this is what the prophet has written. Isaiah told him, but you, Bethlehem, in the, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Like Bethlehem, what can come out of there? What, what's, that's not that big of a place. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Let's read on to the next verse. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. Which goes to show these men knew something his own people didn't know. These men have been looking. God will use ways and means that you and I never even know and see things coming. Here it is. He used this group of men from the Far East coming in to actually begin to instruct, to let them know, hey, it's happening. It's going down right now. And Herod began to say, hey, hold it. When did you see that star? What went on? When did it appear? And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, I love it. Report to me so that I too, I may go and worship him. I've got this affinity towards the king of the Jews. <laughs> I don't like it because there can only be one king and I'm going to take you. You know, he made it sound like, hey guys, just, just go find him and, and then we'll do this. We'll, we'll, I can go worshiping too. And then in verse 9 and 10 he goes on to say, After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen... When it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child, where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now can you think for a second, I'm, just for a moment, think about this. This group of, this group of men and women, there, there was a, there was a, it wasn't just three easing on into town. It caused the commotion so much that all of Jerusalem took notice that there's somebody, there's something done showed up here in our place and we gotta figure out what that is. It got the attention of King Herod. He called them in, began to meet with them. So there was a stir that was going on and so after he had given them permission to go ahead, they went to the king to, to, to get permission. After he got it, they began to go and search out and the star, his star, Shows up. Now this is an amazing thing. We're not going to go into great length tonight. We'll go into a little bit more detail. But this thing called his star. Think about it. Have you ever had a star you thought followed you? I mean when we look up towards the heaven. You, those of you who love. I love to go outside at night and just stare up at a star. If you've never done it I encourage you. So at that moment I'm like. There's nothing separating me right now. Between you and me. The only thing that's keeping me here is this flesh. That's it. Other than that, we're going to be right there together with you. And it's a beautiful thing to just worship and just look up there. They're looking up and they see a star that just actually shines for them. Nobody else is seeing it. So when they leave and it shows back up, they're like, we found, we got to this place. He gets permission. And then it's like, God's saying, hey guys, you've done good. Hey, it's a little bit further. Come on. And so he leads them on out with this star and it shows up right over the house. Now tonight we'll look at this this timeline thing because many of us have <laughs> these wise men in the manger and 
Might not have been the case. Matter of fact, chances are it wasn't the case. But it looks good, okay? I'm not saying go throw the wise men out the name. You know, don't kick them out of the nativity. Sorry, y'all don't even, y'all don't even belong here. Don't go do that. <laughs> but think about it. They, they showed up there. And as they do, they, they see it and they're overjoyed. The next thing that we can actually see by this, first of all, they listen to Herod. First of all, they knew the king was coming. The king of the Jews. Then they listened to Herod and said, this is Messiah. This is the next thing we can learn from these pe- uh, people from the Far East. These Magi's. And this is it. The Magi read and believed God's word. You're like, how did they know God's word? Well, if you do your research and study, the Magi actually were, were from Persia. And if you know your Old Testament at all, you'll know that there was this prophet by the name of Daniel. That, that God had spoken and showed many things through... And in Daniel, they actually, Daniel was the one that interpreted the dreams. Daniel in their culture would have been called a Magi. They would have referred to him as that. Matter of fact, and we're not going to turn there, but in Daniel chapter 2, the king has a dream and he asks all of his chief priests, all the Magi, he brings them in and says, hey guys, I need y'all to interpret this dream, but I've got a little challenge for you. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It'd be like you showing up and saying, Hey, I've got something I need from God, but I want you to pray. And you tell me what I need from God, and then, and then he'll do it. It's like they began to, to see that Daniel began. He said, hey, let me just pray. Let, let me take the night and pray. God showed him exactly what the dream was, showed him what it represented. And as a result, this was part of his under. These were the ones going, man, that guy. So they knew from reading the Daniel's prophecies, from reading in, uh, in Daniel, um, There were two of them in Daniel chapter 9. He actually gives a a timeline of what was going to take place. And then again, Balaam, um, in Numbers 24, 17, he gave a timeline. So they actually read about the king of the Jews showing up. And they had an understanding of a timeline that the the, the Jewish people didn't. And so they they not only read it, but they were so committed that they set out on an eight, eight or nine hundred mild journey to go find him and not knowing where they were going to go. Let me, let me say one of the things that we battle sometimes. Many of us are afraid to leave our house. <laughs> we're like, I don't know what will happen. Like, I just, we're afraid to answer the front door with the culture in which we live. These guys are saying doors. I mean, in that culture, you, it was something dangerous to trek across eight or 900 miles. You're going to run into all kinds of uh, people and things, which tells me one thing. There were probably more than just three. Because three could have got eaten up, especially what they were carrying, which we'll see in just a moment, that that could have been a a battle and a struggle for them. So they understood the word of God. And then as we look on in Matthew 2.11, it says, On coming to the house, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother. And that key word for tonight, if if you go home and look, it's that word house. That's, That's a key word. Because he was born in a manger and they showed up at a, house. So anyhow, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him. This group of men, they, they didn't, they weren't raised in that culture. They weren't raised with that understanding. They weren't Jews. They were, they showed up here and they began to bow down and worship him, understanding the king has showed up. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, a.k.a. three wise men, because there's only three gifts. There's only three, so 
We've got them each carrying a little box. Here you go. God bless you. God bless. Let me ask you something in here. How many have ever been lavished upon gifts, especially when you were younger? How many? How many parents in here? Your your kids had so much in their toy box. You'd have to start giving stuff away. Like we have been overwhelmed by grandparents, by others. They have. Bless our children beyond belief, and we are starting to find, we've got to give other people, we've got to get some of this out. Let me say that the same thing, they didn't show up with one box, and like, here, here, here's a little token of our love for you. It said they opened their treasures to them. They lavished their love, and that's one thing we can say, is they worship, the Magi worship Jesus with their words, but also, with their wealth. The Magi worshiping with their words, worship Jesus with their words, but also with their wealth. Finally, the, the fourth thing we can learn from them, real quickly, Matthew 2.12 goes on to say this, and having been warned in a dream, now remember, here's this group of men, they showed up, Herod made the same King Herod like, hey, tell us where he is, so we want to go, wor- I want to go worship him personally, I've got a gift for him as well. It might be steel, but it's not going to be gold. And it's in a sharp point. No, I'm only kidding. He did go after him. But, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. What could we learn from that? Real simple this. These men, they put their faith and trust. They were willing to say, we, 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 we're not going to allow, think we're going to obey God rather than men. The Magi said, I'm going to obey God. They had a dream and they said, you know what? We came into another king's territory, but we were told by God, and, and there again, they were told by the king of king, you know, told by his father, hey, don't go that way. Don't, it's not that time. Don't do that. It won't be good for him or you. So they didn't, and they obeyed God rather than the king, King Herod. So what does that mean for us? Real simply, four things, the same thing. We should, number one, all of us should continue to seek Jesus. Let me say to you, during this season, more of all, I mean, look, I know Christmas has got commercialized. Let's go ahead and say it. Everybody can say amen to that. <laughs> it's got commercialized. It got hijacked. And some of us, I was like, I don't care. Bring on the more commercial. I love it. I want it. Come on. I'll say this, that, that we still have to seek the reason for the season. Like he is the reason. There's no other reason. Without Christ, there is not a Christmas. And He is the King that's come down to earth. And so this is what Jesus Himself said in Matthew 6.33. It says that, seek first. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things, all the things we hope for and wish for, all the things we use, a little jolly red man with a beard to to get, uh, all these things. All these things will be added to you if you first seek His kingdom. And so our number one thing is to seek Jesus. And and by the way, let me say this, the beautiful thing about that, just like the wise men, if they just had to search out on their own, going and looking for Jesus, God led them by a star to where he was. Got him there and then led him even right to the place. The beautiful thing is, as you seek Jesus, Luke 19.10 says this. This is the beautiful thing of it. Jesus is seeking you. He's seeking me. But the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. No matter how much we're going after him, he's coming after us more. Like, like he, we didn't choose him, he chose us. He's after each one of us in a positive, powerful, he wants to transform our lives from the inside out. It's a beautiful thing. And then finally, in John 17, 3, many people struggle with, is God as good as he says he is? Like when, 
All of us have an expiration date. We carry it on us. And the thing is, is we worry about that a lot. But this is where it says, hey, this is eternal life. This is what it looks like to connect. Our number one goal is to know God. Like your number one goal, if you don't know God, you want to get to know him. This is the time to do that. (laughs) Okay? And so it says this, this is eternal life, that they know you. And only the, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is Jesus praying in John 17 in the garden. He says, this is what eternal life looks like. So if you don't know Jesus, let me say this morning, this is a great time to begin to seek him. And if you do know Jesus, let me say the number one thing you should be doing is helping other people in their search. (laughs) You should be helping other people in their search. Amen. Let's move on. Number two, just like the, 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 the Magi, we should read and believe God's word. It's, it's the, the most popular book ever written. Like there are more copies of it ever that by far, nothing comes close. But it, sometimes it can be the least read. And even in the church, this is what I want to challenge you. During this season, go over the story. Read it over. Look at it. See what he says. Begin to read as never before. That's what 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Paul writing to the, the young pastor says, All Scripture. Everybody say all Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed. In other words, God-inspired. God said... It, Many people look at man's ability to keep God's word. Fallible man being able to keep God's word. And I'm telling you this morning, a God that can speak worlds into existence is no problem. It's no problem for him to have his word kept. And so that's what it says. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I mean, look at me just a second. Every one of you. God has good works in mind for you. He's got, he's got good things for you to do on this planet before you go meeting face to face. He wants to use you to impact somebody's life. So he wants to thoroughly equip you. The only way that happens is by first studying, knowing, and reading like we talked about in the lab this morning. It's pretty neat. But he says, look, I want you to know it. So, so we got to believe God's word. And then the third thing is, real quickly, is we should worship Jesus with our words and our wealth. Like, I read a bumper sticker a while back. <laughs> I was riding, um, it wasn't in this town, but I, I, I want to say, where'd you get that? But we're down, we're on the interstate. That's not the time to, to time to do that. But, uh, it said, um, it, you know, you have the bumper sticker that says, honk if you love Jesus, and you'd be riding, honk, honk. This one bumper sticker took it a, fir- a step further and says, Forget honking, tithe if you love Jesus. It's like, it's a, honking's cheap. There, there's a, there's this thing of saying, hey, where I put my full dependency and trust on you that Lord, all that I have, you've given me. I don't own anything. I'm a steward of what you've given me. And Lord, I'm going to use that to honor you and bless you in so that other people are going to come to know you as their Lord and Savior. When we get to heaven, I promise you, there's going to be few things that are counted. And one of those are going to do, what did we do eternally for him? And that's one of the ways, with our words and with our wealth. It's not either or, it's both. And then finally, let's see here. The word says this in Revelation. 5, 11, 12, talking about words. There's this scene in heaven happening and they were just saying, who can open the scroll? Who's going to be worthy to open the scrolls? And it says, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. Now this is what's beautiful. It'll get you excited when you start thinking. If you'll take a little minute just to let it kind of stir up in you. Many angels. And then it goes on. 
numbering thousands upon thousands. No, no, not thousands upon thousands. Oh, no, 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 no. Many, oh, ten thousands times ten thousand. Like, like there's a, a host that's up there and they're encircled the throne and they're living creatures and the elders. And this is what they're using their words to say. This is what they're doing. It's a song that we sing. I'm not going to sing it for your sake and mine because <laughs> it would ruin it for you forever. It's like, don't sing that song. <laughs> but this is what it said. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth. And wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise forever and ever. This is what this is about. Lord, you're worthy. Lord, there's nobody on this planet that can come close to you. On our best day, on our highest thought. It's so far beneath what he can do and who he is. But he chooses to use us. And so we want to honor him with our words. It goes on to say in Proverbs, with our wealth. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. The, the wealthiest man that ever lived and the wisest man, uh, Solomon, he said this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Why first fruits? Because it's easy to give what's left over. That doesn't take any. Oh, I got a little extra. I used to be. I, can I share my sin? <laughs> I used to tip God all the time. I went to church all my life, but I was never, I would tip, I would show up in church. I got a little extra. There you go, God. Love you. It, it takes very little faith or no faith at all to give what you got left over. But when you say, Lord, I trust you so much that I'm going to give you the first tenth of what I have, believing that you're going to bless the whole part, that's where you walk into a different relationship like, I trust, I trust you. And this is what he says. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. It's, it's, a, it's a newness that comes with that. And I encourage you, if you're not there, that's, that's not to put guilt or put fear or shame on anybody. That's something to say, hey, just like seeking Jesus, that's something to seek for. Lord, help me with that. Help me with that. And finally, the fourth thing is, and we, we, we know it well, we should obey God rather than man. There are times, it, how many here would be honest, where you've been at a place somewhere, someplace, and God spoke to you to do something, but you looked at your surroundings and you began to figure out why you shouldn't do that. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to, you know, he gives you a word to share with somebody or he asks you to do something and you're like, mm, that's for the past. That's for somebody else, not me. And I'm telling you this morning, God wants to use every one of us, period. Matter of fact, when the apostles right after Jesus had ascended and the, and the Holy Spirit fell and they began to, to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit, they actually began to share the gospel and share the love of Jesus and the truth and say, hey, you can be free from your sins. You don't have to worry. God's not mad at you. He loves you. He loves you so much. He sent his son Jesus. As a result of that, they begin to share that message that a man got healed. A man got healed and, and, and it got a real stir going on. He was, he couldn't walk. He was lame, had, had been lame for 40 years, couldn't walk. He gets healed and all of a sudden there's this commotion that begins to stir. And they actually asked, they told, they actually brought the disciples and said, hey, you stop using that name. Don't you dare use that. You can, don't you talk about Jesus. And they told him they, they did. And this is what they said to him in, in Acts 4, 19 and 20. He said, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give, uh, heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. 
For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. How important is it for us to listen and take time out of our day to reflect on the Lord? We can't stop. I can't help it. I share it wherever I go. I can't help it. It's not something I try to do. It's something, it just comes natural with whoever we come in contact. That's what God, a contagious Christian, God loves that. And then finally, I end with this in Acts 5.29. This is, again, a later where they come at them and again they said, Hey, you're fixing to get beat for this because you keep using this name. And they said, Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than man. We've got to obey God. My challenge to us this morning is simply this. One, are you seeking Him with everything? I know all of us, including myself, there are areas of my life where I'd love to think, man, what I think in my heart and mind and what truth is, I'm like, Lord, I try to give you every moment, every time. And I do every morning. There's about two hours where I get to do that. But there's still more I could do. There's more. Can everybody agree that? There's more I could do. There's more I could give. There's more I could do. Okay, that's the thing. And then the whole thing of reading, obeying the Word of God. Like, Lord, I need to spend more time intentionally. Lord, speak to me in this. And then the worship with my words and my wealth. Lord, Lord, I honor you. And I do that constantly through the day. Anytime a challenge comes at me, whether it's something I did or didn't do or should have done, Lord, thank you. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me strength. Continually crying out to him. And then also, i I, I got to obey God. I can't help it. If, 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 if I perish, I perish. Like Esther. Look, if I go out, I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. Lord, here I come. It's going to be good. I'm going to come see you. And he's going to say, good job. Way to go. Instead of those around me going, good job. And so I'm just saying to you, as I close this morning, I do have a challenge. And this is where our legacy offering comes in. You don't realize how many lives you've touched this past year just by this extra saying, hey, it's a sacrifice. I know that. I know right here in this room, everybody has needs. We all have financial needs. All of us have issues. We all have things. But I'm going to challenge you this morning that as we, as we take up this, and, and by the way, it doesn't just happen. I know we've, we've been doing this, sharing this for a couple weeks, and maybe this is the first time you showed up here or, or have seen this. Look, you can give throughout the month of December. But this is our best way of helping people that otherwise we'd never be able to. Locally, nationally, and internationally. Like, if we don't do something, and, and by the way, let me say this, we've done some incredible, y'all, you'll see in, in the next few weeks, in, in January, you'll see some of the numbers of how people have been blessed by you. Not by me, by you, the church. And we've done some wonderful things, but how many know we can do more? There are more people, there are more souls, there are more people that need to experience the love, the truth, the grace, the, the, the grace and the financial blessings of God. And so I want to challenge you. This is where I want to, to pray. And, and uh, if you need an envelope, you can raise your hand. The men will see you get there. It's a legacy offering. Or you can give online. Or there again, you can do this at a later time. I'm just challenging you during this season. Think about what you can do to make a difference. This is all going towards helping people, doing more than what we're doing right now. It's a, it's a thing where, where Jesus gets to bless. It's, and you get to do it. This helps us leap forward. When you see somebody hurting and you say, well, I'd like to do that, but. 
Or, or, or look, I know God wants to help. Oh, well, you know, look, I'm sorry. We can't do that. This is where we get to be a blessing. Not only people here in our congregation, like needs right here in our congregation. And by the way, if you ever have a need, please, please come talk to us. That's what we're here for. This isn't a place where we come and show how good we are. This is a place where we come experience His goodness. And we do that through each other's generosity. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I want us to pray and then, um, then we'll close. Lord, I do thank you right now. Father, I thank you that you called this church, Lord, to make a difference in this community. The Lord, right here, this is where we've been bloomed. This is where we've been planted and we're blooming for 46 years. And Lord, we've done some incredible thing under the leadership of Pastor Ligon. And DJ, Lord, I thank you for their faithfulness and all those here. Lord, but I know there's more. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, people in this community will see this place as a light where they can find hope. They can find strength. They can find the joy of what it is to come in relationship with you. And then they can settle their past, their yesterday. They can find freedom and, and settle that. And then they can discover just how incredibly gifted you've made them. And they can use the gifts and talents you give them to make a difference in other people's lives. Lord, I thank you for, for blessing your people as we give. May you use this right now to go throughout the starting in Brunswick, going through the uttermost parts of the earth. Lord, bringing people into a, a viable transformational relationship with you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.